From Olympic City and the home of Pikes Peak, this is the Automotive ADHD Show. Yeah, here we are, rocking it on the Automotive ADHD Show for a very special edition of the show. Of course, this show is heard around the world as a podcast and on the radio in Southern Colorado, 91.7 KLZR, Voice of the Wet Mountain Valley. My name is Matt West. I am here to not only talk about cars today, but we're talking about a very special hill climb race with someone who is participating in said race. So I'm going to be breaking all of my own rules of the format of the show. We're just going to get straight to it. I mean, come on. They're my own rules. I could break them anyway. So I am excited to introduce my next guest who is racing in the Broadmoor Pikes Peak International Hill Climb brought to you by Gran Turismo. He's someone who is no stranger to being behind the wheel of fast things, climbing up mountains. His team, by the way, is the first to have a single season, three-time championship racing within the Colorado Hill Climb Association. His name is Jimmy Ford. Jimmy, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on as we're getting closer to race week. You know, we're, this, I was just telling you before the interview, those days are flying by fast. You know, we're getting ready to get out there, see some racing. Obviously, you're getting ready to do some racing. Now, before we talk about what you're doing with the hill climb, let's um, let's go into a little bit of your background. You know, how, how long have you been racing? What What got you into all of this? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I've been around racing since I was born. My dad was a uh, racing hill climb. Um, his first year as a rookie was uh, one month after I was born. And uh, I kind of was around the Colorado Hill Climb Association for a while until uh, I became 10 years old. Um, we went and found a quarter midget. So we got into quarter midget racing. We started racing quarter midgets around Colorado. And basically all around the country, there's only a handful of states that I haven't been to from <clears throat> racing uh, quarter midgets. So from quarter midgets, when I got too old to race uh, quarter midgets anymore, my dad had the hill climb car sitting there and he just uh, kind of came up to me and was like, hey, would you rather race the hill climb car or you can do probably a couple more races with quarter midgets before you're done? And I was like, oh, get me into the, get me into the hill climb car. Like, yeah. <laughs> when given the choice, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> we went hill climb racing. Um, I did two seasons. Uh, this was when I was 16 years old. I did two seasons with the Colorado Hill Climb Association. And then uh, I went to school in North Carolina, kind of did some land speed racing out there, came back to Colorado after I was done with school out there, and got back into did a couple of dirt modified races and then I got back into the Colorado Hill Climb Association again. We uh, completely rebuilt the car, my dad and I. One winter, we we started pretty much in September and worked every week and I would come down from uh, Georgetown um, area and help him work on the car every Saturday and Sunday until we got ready for the first race. Wow, wow, that is incredible. Yeah. And you know, just getting in there and getting a lot of that seat time, especially from a young age, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, that's what kids like dream of doing, right? You know, like, I want to go racing. You, know, you, you went racing and you did it, which is fantastic. Now, uh, are you a Colorado native then? Sounds like you've been here in Colorado for most of your life. You did say you were going out for school in other places, but for the most part, you grew up here. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. I was born here at Memorial Hospital in Colorado Springs. So I've lived here pretty much my whole life. I went to high school out in Callahan, Colorado, but uh, 
Yeah, I've been in Colorado my pretty much my whole life other than when I left for school for two years. So, and, and that brings me to my next question then, which is, you know, you're kind of, you're growing up here in the shadow of, of Pikes Peak. In fact, I'm looking at it out my, uh, my window here at the studio. And uh, so has Pikes Peak... Uh, has racing that, when you got into hill climb racing, has that always been a goal to do Pikes Peak? And that's that big mountain towering over there. Has that been a long-time goal of yours? Yeah, you know, I, especially when it was dirt, I really wanted to race it when it was dirt. I just didn't have uh, the vehicle or what whatever it took to race back then. But, yeah, it's always kind of been one of my goals, uh, especially after I went to the Leadfoot Festival in New Zealand. And um, Rod Millen hosts that. And we were kind of chit-chatting afterwards, and he's like, when are you going to do Pikes Peak? And it just it pretty much started from there. I was like, you know what? That's a good idea. I can uh, Maybe someday I'll be able to do Pikes Peak. And then uh, a good buddy of mine, his name is Chad Grant, he ended up buying the Bronco. Um, and so there became our opportunity to have a vehicle to compete in uh, Pikes Peak. So, Wow, that is fantastic. You know, And it is one of those things sometimes when you – when you grow up here, it's in your own backyard. You know, I, I've talked before on the show how, you know, people, you know, I've met people from other countries and, you know, Australia and, you know, England, Japan. Like, oh, where are you from? You know, oh, I'm Colorado Springs. And they're like, they, oh, I don't know where that is. And then you tell them, yeah. Pikes Peak, you know, the hill climb. They're like, oh, I, yeah, we, we love Pikes yeah. Peak. So, and it's kind of funny, yeah. you know, with growing up around that. Um, you know, you, you, and it's kind of cool. You know, you say you were in New Zealand when you kind of got the idea, you know, it's like, well, someone in New Zealand was telling you, oh, you should consider racing Pikes Peak. And you're like, oh, I've, yeah. I, I've seen it a couple of times at least. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I've, I've been up there to help another friend, um, Steve Gaglin. He's actually racing this year. And then, um, he was racing the orange number 27 Camaro and the unlimited. And I, uh, back in my high school years, I, I helped him a little bit on the, on the peak doing some testing and stuff. And now he's actually one of the guys that actually signed for me and said, Hey, yeah, he's good to race Pikes Peak. So it's, it's funny how things change a little bit. That makes me think of another question then, which is, you know, racing Pikes Peak is not something that everyone gets to do. It's not something that everyone who applies for it gets to do. It's pretty exclusive in a lot of ways. What was the process like for you um, getting in as a, as a driver and, you know, being actually accepted into it. Cause I know a lot of guys who are super qualified when it comes to, you know, racing, they've done tons of stuff and they said, man, I couldn't even get into it. So what does it take to get in? Oh man. First of all, it was, it was very nerve wracking when I decided that we were going to try and race the hundredth year for Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. So we, I have been talking with, uh, quite a few competitors that have raced Pikes Peak International Hill Climb. And one of my mentors, Paul Dahlenbeck, has been racing Pikes Peak a bunch. And uh, I kind of talked to him and seeing if it was something that I could afford to do or something that I wanted to do, really, if it was logical to do Pikes Peak. And uh, we came to the conclusion that we could we could shoot for it and see what happened. So we uh, put in our application after speaking with a few good friends um, around Colorado Springs and a lot of veterans and um, we ended up waiting and waiting. It's the hardest part to wait, you know, a whole month after you get your application in to see if you're going to be accepted or not. But then, uh, when it came through and we got our packet in the mail, we were ecstatic. I mean, that, that was one of the greatest feelings is getting accepted into Pikes Peak. Wow. That is incredible. And of course I want to congratulate you on that as well. That is a fantastic achievement. I definitely didn't do it alone. I, uh, I have family that supports me and friends and 
my girlfriend supports me. She's down here every week and helping me too. So it, it wasn't just me. I have a lot of support standing behind me too. I, I love, uh, you know, things where everyone's involved, the family's involved, you know, and, uh, you know, you, you get, it really kind of gives that grassroots sense of it, but you're coming from that grassroots sort of background, but you're doing something really big that, you know, giant manufacturers, you know, Porsche has a car going up there, you know, I mean, you're doing stuff like that. That's, you know, competing with, uh, you know, these huge companies. So again, I always find that to be like, to me, the, one of the coolest things. Now, again, my guest is Jimmy Ford. You can find him at jimmyfordracing.com. Now let's, uh, let's talk your car, that Ford Bronco you mentioned. Um, you know, you were telling me before the interview here, we were talking a couple days ago about how that car already has a little bit of history with hill climb racing. And I think you said even Pikes Peak as well. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Um, the John Wells actually built um, the chassis back in either 93 or 94, but uh, he built it for Leonard Vashelitz, and Leonard Vashelitz raced Pikes Peak a ton. He's well-known on Pikes Peak, along with the Colorado Hill Climb Association. And uh, he drove the Bronco in 1994 and 1995 um, against, you know, some big names, Hunters, um, uh, a lot of big names back then when it was all dirt. And uh, we... We pretty much got the Bronco, and it's basically how he raced it. And then we kind of converted it over for asphalt a little bit. But that's one of the cool things, you know, bringing history back to Pikes Peak for the 100th running. Yeah, absolutely. And I assume that's also the same uh, John Wells who did the Wells Coyote. Would I be correct in that? Yep, yep. That's that's the same John Wells, yeah. I figure there's only, probably only so many John Wells out there, but yeah, <laughs> and who build race cars. But it's just just curious because I mean those have also been incredibly successful cars, you know. And to have you know someone with that chassis design, you know, who who built your chassis is kind of cool. And and also you know bringing an exist a car that raced Pikes Peak and bringing it back for the hundredth running, which again is a little bit you know there's uh, there's a little bit more importance to this race. It's you know the the centennial running of the race, obviously. Um, now let's talk a little bit about your car as well. Like what's the sort of setup like? And, you know, if you don't want to get too far into it because, you know, you don't want other people to know what you're running a hundred percent, I get that. But, you know, what's the general platform like when it comes to your engine, you know, transmission, you know, rear wheel drive, I assume. How, how's the car set up? Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, all aluminum chassis. Um, it weighs about 2,800 pounds. Now we have a 351 cubic inch engine and it's a uh, kind of, it was kind of an experiment uh, on the heads that they were working back in the day. They were kind of, it was stuff they were doing for Jack Roush back in the day, kind of playing with the ports and stuff like that. And so um, that was back in the nineties. So this, this engine has survived. This race engine has survived since the mid nineties. Um, there's been a few times it's been gone through, but, Honestly, it's uh, in really good shape. Leonard just went through it last year again and checked it all out and said, man, it's still in pretty good shape. And so we decided, hey, we're going to run it. So that, that motor makes about 630 horsepower. And then it's backed up by a uh, four-speed Jericho. And then we have a uh, winter's performance quick change rear end. And um, we're just uh, getting by with what we can for wheels for this year. We run 15-inch wheels. It's rear-wheel drive. And so... Um, it's quite the little, it's quite the little toy to play around with. You know, it's a little light and it's got some power to it. So I was going to say, I, I bet with a, uh, you know, a custom built tube chassis like that with 600 
horsepower. That thing must be a rocket ship. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's gotta absolutely. be a lot of fun. Yeah, up until you get about the halfway point of Pike's Peak, then you're like, "Where's the rest of the throttle?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. So that that to me sounds like that's a that's a carbureted engine in that. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, it's carbureted, and we run it on methanol. Really? Okay, because I I was yeah. I've always kind of wondered too. You know, a lot of guys are up there running you know carb stuff still. You know, because it's it's simple to work on. It's familiar. You know, it's it's what you got, and it's good. You know, makes power. But how how does that work with the altitude? Just out of my own kind of curiosity, you know, you're going from, you know, Colorado Springs, which is sixty five hundred feet and some change. Don't quote me exactly on it. But then you're going all the way up to fourteen thousand feet. You've got all that air density to consider when you're looking at your fuel and stuff like that. How how does that work? Just out of curiosity. You know, luckily with uh, being in the Colorado Hill Climb Association, we've kind of raced all over the state where, you know, Monarch, it's 10,000 feet we get up to. And then we go to Grand Junction where you're at 4,000, 4,500 feet, Rangeley, all those places. So it's, we kind of have a little bit of knowledge on um, tuning the carburetor. So what we kind of did was like, hey, Monarch's really high elevation. Let's just start there and see how how it works for the first test session. <clears throat> and we were on the uh, top section the first day. And it it wasn't it wasn't too bad the, the tune was pretty decent um it wasn't really blubbering too hard which is we're going to kind of have to tune it for like uh, the middle section so it may be a little uh lean on the bottom side on the bottom section and then you know the middle section will be pretty good but then when you get up to you know like 16 mile or the w's or that area where it starts really climbing up then it then it might get a little uh fat or rich and uh so we we just got to tune it for what we can and that's that's part of the carburetor game for sure for sure and it's kind of an art tuning that and you know figuring out your your best way to get power where you need it on a course where your elevation is changing drastically i mean i can't think of any other hill climbs that are happening there's plenty of them around the world but that are happening at fourteen thousand feet is your finishing elevation it's absurd uh, I mean, you're you're clear above treeline by a huge margin. Now, they did pave that road a few years back, and you kind of mentioned this earlier, too. But with the car starting out racing when you were on dirt, when the, or when the race was in dirt, rather, uh, and you race it primarily in dirt, how, how have you had to change some of the setup to work with a paved paved road? Oh, man, we, we spent since January trying to get this thing converted over and adding aerodynamics to go from asphalt, or I mean, excuse me, from dirt to asphalt. So we uh, have a whole different shock and spring package, and then we uh, we added a, a torsion bar on there, which this there's not a whole lot of space on this Bronco to kind of add stuff. Things were built for dirt for the way he wanted it, so there wasn't a lot of whole, whole lot of room to add things. So we kind of got to get a little bit um, technical when we're um, putting some of this stuff on there. So the torsion bar was a little bit tricky to find a, the perfect place to get it in there. And then uh, we also, uh, we added a wing. So in order to do that, cause we wanted it to sit on the top of the Bronco, um, we had to add some aluminum bars coming up from the main chassis so that it wouldn't just press down on the roof. Um, so when you get the downforce on your rear wing, it wasn't just collapsing that fiberglass body. Um, so from there, we, uh, we kind of did a lot of our own research on aerodynamic stuff and maybe cheated a little bit off of Reese Millen's uh, um, Bentley from the previous years on the front splitter. So we uh, added the front splitter to the front nose and then 
<clears throat> Obviously, we got uh, some tires uh, for that are slicks from Paul Dallenbeck was the one that kind of helped me out with getting tires and whatnot. So those are uh, a Hoosier tire that we're running. So a lot of it was just time consuming things to get it converted over, you know, welding and fabricating and doing a lot of sheet metal work, trying to get its thing to where it'll split the air. Right. Brick. <laughs> wow. Yeah. As I say, when you look at a Ford Bronco, normally you don't think aerodynamic when you look at them. But yeah, exactly. And 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 you got to look at your your downforce and all of that stuff when it comes to your you know running downforce in the corners, and then obviously that changes how you're doing your suspension too when you're adding X amount of pounds of downforce at a certain speed. So that is uh, you know, and and of course, so you're doing all this you know fab work. Basically, it's. It's you and your your family working on this thing again. You don't have a team of a uh, hundred people and race engineers and computer CAD design stuff, and and you're making it happen. Yeah, yeah. And one of the one of the people that's kind of helped us out. Actually, there's a few people that have helped us out. They're all off of Steve Gaglin's team because I I grew up around Steve Gaglin. Like I said earlier, I helped him on the peak a couple of times, and um, his his team has seen me since I was a baby you know fresh out of the womb baby and uh they they always always have been a helpful hand to whoever needs it but they've been extra helpful trying to get the bronco set up for me because they they used to run a car that was similar i mean it wasn't the same body but it was a wells built chassis and they kind of have an idea of where to start for me i mean it's going to be different with every driver um but at least we had a good starting point and thanks to them for helping mark and danny and steve there we go. I, I love that. You know, there's no bitter rivalry here. You're all racing up the same mountain with the same goal. And I think it's fantastic that different teams, and different racers help each other out. You don't see that in every form of racing. So that is very cool. Now, hey, Jimmy, hang tight. We are going to take a quick break here and we're going to get back to it here in just a second. At the Speed Council, getting things done fast is our priority. We do everything fast, from driving, working, sleeping, and eating. Someone help! He's choking! This is Tim. Hello. And by the time this ad is over, he'll have bicycled across the earth 69 times. Nice. Even if our name sounds unfamiliar, you know our work. F1? Pfft, child's play. The world's first supersonic jet? Yep, that was us. Apollo 11? Also us. The fastest animal in the sea? Hell. We even wrote the Wikipedia article, fast. And we're so dedicated to speed that we've genetically engineered the world's first hyperspeed speed machine. With this scientific breakthrough, you can download your favorite automotive podcast a whole day early. How's that for fast? Patreon.com slash Throttle Warrior. Donate now. Download the show early and receive special perks. This message approved by the Speed Council and the Church of Fast Things. There we go. Those car sounds were just sent in by Bailey. That is his big turbo Dodge Neon SRT4. He says it's making around 410 to the wheel. <laughs> That's a lot of power in that little car. It sounds awesome. Very cool. Now, if you're a regular listener of this show, you know how this works. You send your car sounds into the show. You get entered for a chance to win the automotive ADHD keychain and a $25 auto parts store 
gift card. Of course, you send those car sounds into uh, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD, as well as uh, you can email them to matt at throttlewarrior.com. I want to thank Bailey for sending those car sounds in. And I want to get back to my guest, Mr. Jimmy Ford from jimmyfordracing.com. He is going up the Pikes Peak Hill Climb, the 100th running of it. He's going to be racing it in his 1994 Ford Bronco. Now, Jimmy, um, you know, with the hill climb, there's, you know, countless turns. There's tons of them. And not to mention, you know, all sorts of terrain changes and things like that. Um, What are you doing as a driver to prepare for the race? Yeah, so we... uh... I, I've actually, before I signed up for Pikes Peak, I've never been all the way to the summit. So that was my first challenge was actually being able to get up to the summit. So I started out watching videos on YouTube of different drivers and how they approach everything and trying to memorize the course while watching different lines. And then uh, once I kind of got it down a little bit, I was like, okay, now I'm ready to go drive Pikes Peak and see what it's like, you know, other than watching it through a screen. Cause it's always going to be different. Even, even when I drove it, um, for six hours trying to study the course, getting in the race car behind the windshield is completely different than driving in your pickup too. Cause everything comes so much faster. You don't, you don't see the same way cause your mind has a way of slowing things down when you're behind the wheel of a race car versus you know, driving up in a pickup. So that's, that's, it's, it's kind of tough to uh, <clears throat> get prepared for this race, especially because uh, the mountain has a mind of its own. And I've had veteran after veteran after veteran tell me, you know, that it's up to the mountain, how you finish, what you finish. It's, it's not up to you. The, the mountain controls it. So I just got to keep that in mind too, while I'm, while I'm doing a lot of studying. Right. Right. Cause I mean, you can have uh, sun and nice weather at the bottom of the mountain and then it can be blowing snow sideways at the top. And, uh, you know, in the middle of summer, too, you know, we, we don't think of snow in summertime usually, but up there it can absolutely happen. And if I recall last year, there were, you know, numerous rain delays and they had to cut the course short because of that. So, uh, you know, that's, yeah, in, in a lot of ways, you're at the mercy of some of the characteristically Colorado weather, I would say. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's another thing, too, is that with the freezing and everything up there, the road changes daily. So, I mean, there's there's been some drivers before that'll go up there and on testing days during peak week or practice days during peak week and then drive the road right before race day and say, oh, wow, that bump wasn't there before. And that's another thing. You just got to kind of memorize where the bumps are when you're getting to your shutdown points or going through corners and stuff like that. So. Um, it's always changing. So that's one of the, that's one of the great things about this mountain is it's, it's really tough to try and figure it out. Absolutely. And, uh, I was, I was chatting, uh, I was a couple years ago, I was at an event, uh, before the hill climb and I, I ran into one of the drivers running that year who was, uh, Paul Gerard and, uh, and, and he talked about how the, the frost heaves in the, the asphalt are a major challenge because you, you have to design your suspension for, you know, low cornering and grip. And then, well, suddenly you get to areas where the, the frost heaves, basically the ground's shoving up underneath the asphalt and making these big, uh, making these big humps. And uh, then suddenly you need a car with long travel suspension for that, you know, because it's a totally different setup. So absolutely, I think it's a... It's a big challenge, and have you run into any other challenges getting ready for the race now, too? I mean, as we're just, you know, a couple weeks approaching it. 
Um, yeah, there, uh, the hardest part that I've had to battle was, uh, being able to get parts, you know, like we, our fuel cell that we were running before was kind of expired. And so we needed a new fuel cell. So it was a scramble to try to fuel, get a fuel cell that would fit in the car and be able to have it here on time. And then, you know, it's kind of the same thing over and over again. Same thing with wheels. I had, a, had issues with wheels and, um, arrow actually came through um with some wheels for me they were they were great people to work with very nice and then uh tires tires has been one of the biggest struggles we ended up finding finding some brand new tires wasn't exactly what i was wanting to do i was kind of because i'm fresh to the mountain i didn't want to go put brand new rubbers on every time i was kind of looking for some used ones and paul Dahlenbeck kind of helped us out with some of the used tires but it just seems like the hardest part is getting stuff here everybody takes six weeks or whatever it may be out and you're like well i'm four weeks out to race you know kind of thing like that so it's uh that's one of the toughest parts right right it's not like uh reality television when you see you know car shows on tv where they're you know getting everything done in the span of 45 minutes on a show and it's it's weeks and weeks of prep time and uh and fabrication and all sorts of stuff and uh, of course, I mean, that's that's a big challenge, I think, when you're doing any motorsports, but especially something on, on this caliber. I mean, this is this is next level compared to a lot of stuff, even when you have, uh, you know, and I, I, I might ruffle some feathers with some of the time attack guys and things like that. And, you know, yeah, you're, you know, going in that case, you know, the time attack guys are going around a, a racetrack and yeah, it can rain. It can do other stuff, but it's a it's a racetrack. And like, you know, it like you can memorize it to a T. And it'll be the same every time. And this isn't the case with that. So now I, I know you're focused, you know, really hard right now in these upcoming weeks on the mountain. You're driving the car, the mechanicals, all of this stuff to, to get everything going. But what what's the goal afterwards? Like, what do you picture yourself doing? You've crossed the finish line. And what, what are you doing next? Uh, well, I think we're going to come back here to the shop and have a, a celebration. Our goal, our number one goal is to finish because no matter what you do, how fast you are, you can't win. You can't finish second. You can't finish last unless you actually finish the race. So that's, that's one of my main goals right now is, uh, trying to get up to the finish line. And, uh, then I think we're going to take a few weeks off and then we're actually have a race in Grand Junction right after Pike's Peak. That's in August. So we have... Uh, basically four weeks to change the car back to what we did in six months. So, oh my <laughs> it's god, be a little bit of tight time. <laughs> oh man, yeah, undoing all that work to go—that's incredible. I mean, that's uh, that's yeah. devotion to to racing right there. You know, that is fantastic. I mean, just getting out there, couple taking a couple weeks break, and you're gonna be back out sending it again. I love that. I love that. Yeah, that is, absolutely. And then I'm gonna probably hang out with my guys at Clear Creek Cidery and Eatery up in uh, Idaho Springs and maybe have a few ciders afterwards. There you go. Yeah, kick back a bit, have uh, have some cold ones and say, hey, we did it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so now let's uh, talk a little bit more again about the Colorado Hill Climb Association. Tell me how you're involved with that and what you guys do. Um, so one, one of the greatest things about racing, and I've, I've thought about this a few times during our, our interview, uh, one of the greatest things about the Colorado Hill Climb Association is it's one, one big family. Everybody, everybody goes out there and helps each other. They're willing to give the shirt off of their back to help a guy finish. You know, I, I, I grew up around this Colorado Hill Climb Association and I've made some of my best friends out of this, uh, Colorado Hill Climb Association. So it's, you know, it's, it's a really good place to go watch and 
kind of get involved in if you can. And then, um, you know, it's, it's a different type of racing. You have muscle cars up there that are on dirt, you know, high horsepower VA stuff. And then you also have, you know, rally cars that are, you know, big turbos, uh, interesting, a lot of interesting vehicles up there, open wheels, quads, motorcycles. So there's, there's a lot that goes on with the Colorado Hill Climb Association. They do it all over Colorado. So you have Grand Junction, you have Rangeley, and you have Canyon City, you have Monarch, and we're always looking for new roads. So if, if anybody has any leads on any new roads, we're always willing to go look at them to try to keep the club going and keep us uh, with a full schedule. Absolutely. And that is fantastic, you know, keeping that racing going. And, uh, you know, and, and, and when you mentioned them, too, when we chatted a few days ago as well, I, I've been looking them up and it, I've been watching some videos. And, oh, man, it looks like so much fun. It's got me you know, kind of wanting to, it's got me wanting to build a car to go do some of that now. You know, I've, I've got a lot of experience on, you know, paved circuit track racing, road courses and, you know, autocross and things like that. That's where my background is, but, you know, hitting that on the dirt and going up hills and doing, you know, more technical stuff. That seems super cool. So you'll probably see me hanging out there sometime soon. I got to check it out. Yeah. I would love to see anybody come up there. And the thing about it is too, is it's, it's, you can, if you buy a pass to go to a Colorado Hill Climb Association event, you can literally stand right next to the drivers for 12, 15 bucks. I don't, I can't remember what they're charging for a pass right now, but it's nothing to be able to go into the pits, go up the road, watch from your favorite spot where you can see a bunch of the road and um, interact. And it's, it's like one big party weekend, you know, it's with racing involved. It's, it's really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, my guest is uh, Jimmy Ford. You can find him at jimmyfordracing.com. And Jimmy, is there anywhere else that folks can keep up with what you're doing right now? Yeah, sure. Um, they can uh, catch me on my YouTube channel. It's uh, Jimmy Ford Racing or on my Instagram. It's uh, Jimmy Ford Four, and Jimmy is spelled with two Y's. Awesome. Awesome. See, there you go. Give this man a follow. Keep track of everything he's doing. Watch some amazing racing. I have seen some of the videos on your YouTube channel of you, uh, you know, just absolutely mobbing it up hills. And um, and that's just it's super cool. Like you got you got to see what this guy's doing. It's awesome. Now, are there uh, any people as well sponsor wise who've been helping you out with this and really making things happen? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, so JDT Builders is actually out of Salida. He, uh, Daniel Martinez is one of my sponsors that came through and helped me out a bunch. Um, Joel Newcomer, um, he used to race Pikes Peak. He raced in Leonard Bashwood's stock car class back back in the 80s and 90s. Um, he owns uh, Newcomer, Newcomer Plumbing and Heating. He does uh, a bunch of stuff all over Colorado Springs and surrounding areas. Um, he's, he's a great person. He is, uh, one of those good old boys that he, he'll just come over and have a conversation with you for an hour. And, um, it, it's great to hear some of his old stories. And then I got a five eleven Rose, um, five eleven roses up in Georgetown there, which anybody that's ever traveling through Georgetown, they really need to stop at five eleven Rose, especially if you're a car guy, he has some of the coolest stuff all over his walls. He has, clocks that are gears these gas pumps i mean the place is one of the coolest places that i've ever been to as far as a restaurant not to mention the food and he's kind of one of those good old cowboys that he doesn't have any tvs in there no wi-fi he just wants to sit down and have a conversation he wants to get back to those days which is really cool he'll, he'll chat your ear off um and then uh albert fry and sons is one of my sponsors it's a it's my employer also they uh they're uh, wallstrom Corey up in idaho springs and 
then uh, obviously my 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 family is one of my my biggest helps being here doing whatever they can to help me out even when I'm when I'm working up there in Idaho Springs and they're down here because I travel down to the Springs every weekend to uh, work on the Bronco from from Georgetown so when I'm not here and there's something that needs to be done they always pull through and help me out so they're one one big one big help and um, you know it's Rocky Mountain Machine uh, here in Colorado Springs Stanley down at Rocky Mountain Machine he's he's always been right there to help me you know last year when we were going for the three championships for uh, the Colorado Hill Climb Association for the 50th year. Uh, we had a lot of engine problems in the car. Um, we swapped engines every race and Stanley was working uh, late nights to try to keep us going so that we could achieve our goal of three championships. So, you know, I, I just got to give it to all those people because without that group of people that helped me out and do all those things for me, I, I probably wouldn't be able to compete at the level or make everything happen the way it does. Right, right. Yeah, again, it's all about that, you know, that that, that kind of family connection to family and friends. That's that's something I love about racing, right? You know, everyone is helping out and pitching in and again, you're you're competing on a level that, you know, the that major manufacturers are competing on too. That's the crazy thing, you know. You're you're tackling all this stuff and, you know, doing it still working a 9 to 5 job during the week. And you're up there and, you know, the, the, you know, just across from the tent where they've got, you know, the latest, you know, Porsche GT cup car race car that's been fitted for it. And, you know, that's again, I think that's fantastic. And when that's what racing really is about, you know, and, you know, I've talked on my show before about, you know, things like F1 and there's all this budget and all this crazy stuff. And what you're doing to me is really real racing, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, it was kind of funny uh, last week and during testing. We on Sunday when we were on the lower section, we were actually one of the first ones there, and we we got our pit set up. And then uh, there's uh, Ken Block's crew pulls in right next to us, and they get the car out and they hook up three different laptops to it. And we were kind of joking like, "Hey, let's get all of our iPads out, and after this run, we'll hook our iPad up to the Bronco." Just kind of joking around. <laughs> <laughs> you're pulling iPad out. Look like you're doing something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah. man. Yeah. So we, we have fun with it too, but, uh, they were, they were a great group of people. They, uh, <clears throat> they were uh, very nice, very, very fun to be next to great neighbors. So I got to give a shout out to them too. Absolutely. Well, Jimmy, again, this is amazing. I am so excited to, uh, you know, ha have you here on the show and be able to support you in what way I can as well, uh, for your endeavors to go up that mountain. And of course I wish you nothing but safe racing as well. It can be very dangerous up there. So it's going to be, it's going to be a wild ride as we come up on these past there, these a uh, couple of weeks going up to the race. And, uh, I hope to have you back on the show as well. Maybe a little before the race, talk a little bit about it just for briefly about how you're going into it and how things are going and then obviously after the show i'd love to or uh, after the race rather i'd love to invite you on the show if that sounds good yeah absolutely and uh a couple of things we're going to be down at fan fest too so make sure to come down and see us down at fan fest and then uh this weekend on saturday from two to seven they have a uh kind of like a little band and uh car show at gold hill mesa and we're going to be down there if everything goes well with testing on saturday so come come see us down there too Fantastic. Again, give this man a follow, jimmyfordracing.com. you got to keep up with what Jimmy is doing. This is really good. Again, Jimmy, thank you for joining me on the show. I can't wait to have you back. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, and I uh, can't wait to get back on here with you, too. 
All right, there we go. And I want to thank you, the listener, as well, for hanging out for this very special edition of the Automotive ADHD Show. And, of course, I am getting stoked as we're getting closer and closer to the big event, the Broadmoor Pikes Peak International Hill Climb, brought to you by Gran Turismo. Now, this is going to be a lot of fun. I can't honestly think of any other car podcasts that are doing exactly this, you know, providing you this level of coverage around this big event, you know, that people know around the world. And I, you know what? Hey, I'll take, if anything, I'll take credit for being the only guy doing this right now. It's awesome. And I'm so stoked that you are along for the ride. And of course, uh, if you want to keep up with everything that's going on between the shows, facebook.com slash automotive ADHD. Uh, and then also, uh, you can keep up with Jimmy Ford again, jimmyfordracing.com. And uh, another note is that I'm going to be at the Fan Fest. I mentioned this last week, but I'm going to be at the Hill Climb Fan Fest the 24th of June, downtown Colorado Springs. If you're in the Colorado area, you got to stop by. You got to check it out. Get to meet me. You're also going to be able to meet Jimmy. He's going to be down there with his race car. It's going to be a ton of fun. There's going to be like 30,000 people down there, and we're going to be there with the tents, doing the podcast live. It's going to be a lot of fun. you got to check this out. Now, hey, thank you for listening to this edition of the show. Of course, subscribe to this podcast wherever fine podcasts. And, you know, this one are downloaded. And please go on Spotify. Go to the little rating section. You know, they added it pretty recently. Give this a six-star rating. Let's blow up the ratings on there. Keep that algorithm promoting this thing and moving it on. And of course, I also want to thank my Patreon subscribers. You guys allow me to take time out of my day to make this a possibility. You are fantastic. If you want to get on the Patreon, get early access to the show, patreon.com slash throttle warrior. Now I'll see you same time, same place next week when uh, I think we'll be getting ready to go up that mountain. It's going to be a lot of fun.